on. I forgot my mic. Had to go back to my office and get it just a minute ago. My name's Craig. I'm the pastor here, senior pastor here, one of the pastors. And it is my privilege to welcome you. Thank you for joining with us this morning as we've gathered to worship the Lord together. I know that there are, if, if, this, if you're a guest with us for the first time, you look around, just let me know, this is not normal. None of this is normal, right? We're not normally back in these masks. We're, we're, we're not normally, um, uh, normally you can't hardly breathe in here. So uh, uh, a lot of folks are, are, are at home today as they're um, trying to wrestle with the, uh, the recent surge in COVID numbers. But uh, we are so thankful that you're here with us. And I just want you to know that if it seems a little bit off, it is a little bit off, and it probably will be, hopefully, for just a couple weeks. Um, but uh, we're glad that you're here. It is our privilege to have you with us. All right, we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah in just a minute. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 23. Uh, as you're turning there, I want to give you a couple housekeeping announcements. We will have our next steps class this afternoon. So if you've been visiting with us one time, 10 times, or 40 times, but you've never joined our church, you're curious to know what it would be like, Please come this afternoon. I'd love to have you. Um, I'll meet you right here in the sanctuary, and then we will figure out where we're going to go, depending on how many of y'all there are, just to be blunt with you. So, uh, but we will meet right out here, and I'll be looking forward to seeing you at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Um, next Sunday, there will be life group fellowships. Uh, we encourage you to, to do that in a way that is comfortable to your life group and doesn't you know, promote uh, big outbreaks. So if you can be outside and things like that, we'd encourage you to do that. Uh, the last Sunday of this month, we're going to have a full Sunday. So we will observe the Lord's, Sun the Lord's Supper on that day. We will have um, baptism on that day. So for those of you that got your baptism uh, canceled last week and you haven't gotten that announcement yet, uh, you're going to get it this week, but I'm giving it to you right now. If you need to be baptized and you've not uh, scheduled that yet, please uh, fill out the form on our website so that we could follow up with you in that. But we do have baptism scheduled for the last Sunday of this month. And then that night... We're going to uh, go back to something we did last summer a whole lot. We're going to do uh, our uh, we're going to do a um, a tailgate fellowship. So for those of you that were never a part of that, just outdoors, kind of bring your own food. We'll we'll meet out here in the parking or the the not the parking lot. What do you call it? The field over here where we have some shade, which is super nice. And uh, you know, just come football season's upon us, so we'll we'll kickstart tailgating early. So uh, if you want to get crazy and bring a grill, you can do whatever you want. But we'll just have a, a time of, of fellowship out there. And then finally, just, um, uh, just as it relates to COVID, you guys read the news. I don't have to tell you everything. I want you to know that our goal as a church is to continue not normal. Normal is not our goal. Our, our goal is to maintain a situation where we can continue to worship here and that our life groups can meet regularly. And uh, if I have to choose whether or not we worship outside or inside or life groups meet, for me, life groups is always going to drive a lot of our decision making because that's sort of the backbone of our church. Um, we believe that that church and not just this aspect but worship life groups and fellowship is essential and we want to do everything we can to make sure that we meet regularly so you you, you all know that covid numbers are exploding in our state right here in our own community we really need your help because we want to continue to meet so let me just ask a couple things of you uh some of you are at home right now and and i'm so thankful that we've got really great video opportunity to, to to meet with you there we look forward to being back together but we understand for those of you that are there 
Um, we, we are going to try to make decisions for our church based as ultra-local as possible. And what that means is that rather than looking at all the things, we want to move forward making decisions right now. A lot of y'all are vaccinated. A lot of, the, a lot of y'all are recent infections. And so uh, I heard, heard one of the kids, I don't know who it was, one of our kids outside my office this morning said, I've got the antibodies. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. She was so proud. Um, and, uh, you know, so we want to be as ultra-local as we can be. For us to do that, we need y'all to help us, okay? So, again, like I said a few weeks ago, if you have a stomach virus, stay home. Uh, if you have a cough, stay home. If, if you have a stomach virus, stay home and far away, please. I, like, honestly, please. Um, if you have a sniffle, if you have a fever, stay home. So do those things. We need you to do something else for us that would help us a lot. If you're here today... You're here, and then Wednesday, you, you get a, a positive COVID test, a positive flu test. Would you just, would you just call the office, uh, text me something? We're not going to advertise that to the world, um, but we just need to know so that we can make informed decisions about what we're going to do moving forward. Also, believe it or not, I want to know when you're sick because we like to pray for y'all. So um, if, if you would just communicate those things with us, that helps us to feel like we're making informed decisions for our church body. So if you would just help us with that. Um, last Sunday, the reason we met outside was because we had had a large number of people in our own church body who had been at church, who developed symptoms, who tested positive, and then as a result, lots of people were exposed. So that was what was going on. We, we don't want to just make blanket statements. I'm, I'm, we're going to move past this real quick. I'm I'm with y'all, right? I'm, I had my mask on until a minute ago. I'm, I'm tired of it. None of us were happy to see all these things come back around. I'm, I'm 100% with you, but we believe church is essential. We're going to do everything we can to maintain not just worship, but to maintain life groups and fellowship opportunities. But that means that we just got to all, if we're going to be a family and we believe that we are, then we got to do family things. And family things mean we got to cooperate with one another even when it's not comfortable. So just help us with that, okay? All right, that's all the announcements I needed to mention this morning. I'm looking to make sure, right? Nobody's got anything else. Okay, having said all that, we're in the book of Jeremiah chapter 23. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and honor God's word. And we're going to read Jeremiah 23, verses 16 through 22. I don't think we have any hard names in this passage this week, so that's nice, right? Hear now, for this is the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, It shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, No disaster shall come upon you. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Or who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold, the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people. And they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that we would speak only your words. Father, I also pray that we would have hearts to hear your words, even when they are uncomfortable. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I'm speaking with you this morning about the false prophets of Jeremiah's day, counterfeit counselors as I've called them, and, and living in the reality that we experience false prophets of our own. I ask you this question this morning, do you want the truth? Do you want it? Jesus looked at a man one time and he said, do you want to be well? And it seemed like kind of a ridiculous question, but the truth of the matter is we have to always ask that. Do you want the truth? Well, I can actually answer that for a lot of you based on the simple question of asking, where do you go when you're seeking answers? I've tried to spend less and less time on Facebook, um, and, and I need to spend less and less time on social media generally, but I, I sometimes get caught up there. But I was a little surprised to be on Facebook the other day, and this was somebody I didn't know. This is a group that I'm a part of, and it was nobody in our church. Uh, but it's a group that I'm a part of, and somebody on Facebook posed this question. Facebook I want to know what all of you think about the COVID vaccine. And I thought, my soul. Like, well, why would I ask that question of Facebook? It makes zero sense to me. That's like saying, Facebook, I, I want you all to tell me whether or not I should say this to my wife or this to my children. Where do you go when you're looking for answers? Do you want the truth? Kevin texted me after he proofed my sermon study guide this week, and he said, um, are you trying to imitate Jack Nicholson here this week? Because for many of you, when you saw that question, do you want the truth, you no doubt ran to that old movie, A Few Good Men. You thought of Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise, and you thought about that cross-examination scene in the movie where Cruise famously looks at Nicholas Nicholson and says, I want the truth. And what does Jack Nicholson say? He says, you can't handle the truth. I'm not going to try and do his accent. That'd be a little awkward, wouldn't it? Unfortunately, we live in an age where people often don't want the truth anymore. And when I say people, I think it's important for us to say where we often don't want the truth anymore. You don't call your nutritionist and ask whether or not you should eat a dozen donuts. I don't either. We don't contact our child's teacher or pediatrician and say, how many hours per day should they spend watching TV or playing video games? Again, as I mentioned, we live in an age of COVID where people don't call their doctor to ask about vaccines or treatments. They, they just ask Facebook. And I go, do you want the truth? Several weeks ago, I mentioned to you that nobody ever called me and said, Pastor Craig, do you think that I should cheat on my wife? Why don't they call me before they do that? Because they don't want the truth. They want their truth. One of the most dangerous things that come about as a result of postmodern ideologies is this idea, this idea that we can all have our own versions of the truth. We're going to offer some guidance, as a matter of fact, in the spring of the year, because we want some of even our teachers to understand. That as they're teaching in the classroom, we need to be super careful about the language that we use. Because what we're being taught, a bunch of our kids are going off to college this week and in, in, in weeks to come. One of the things that we've got to make sure our kids understand, but here's the bad thing. We're going to have to try to retrain some of our own minds. It's just sad enough literature classes in college and English classes in college. And you heard language that said things like this. Well, that might be true for them, but is it true for you? Is it true for our time? And folks, what we've got to understand is that truth is truth for all time. There is such a thing as objective truth. And when we're searching for the truth, as followers of Jesus, we believe that all truth is God's truth. We're not afraid of any version of the truth. 
So what do we do? Where do we go? See, if we're honest, we sometimes like false prophets. Why do we like false prophets? Because they speak tenderly to us. They tell us what we want to hear. They make us feel good. And sometimes feeling bad is just not desirable. So I ask you this morning, do you want the truth? What do we go from here? What do we see about these counterfeit counselors? First thing I want you to see this morning about false prophets is that they urge adherence to their own agenda. They urge adherence to their own agenda. Watch. Thus says the Lord, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who, who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. False prophets urge adherence to their own agenda. Many of these are prophets of profit. See what I did there? A little play on words. You get it? P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S of P-R-O-F-I-T. Folks, when we're listening to what somebody's trying to say to us, when anyone is giving you advice, I would urge you to ask two questions. Number one, ask, what qualifies them to give you this advice? What qualifies them to give you this advice? I had a guy call me the other day. He said, my neighbor's a bricklayer, and today he's an epidemiologist. I can't lay bricks, so hear me say that. Like, y'all don't want me to do that. If somebody calls me and they say, Craig, help me understand how to lay this brick, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, I am not your guy because I am not qualified to make that judgment call. When you're thinking about the people that you're going to and you're asking them for advice, or even worse yet, the people who are freely offering their advice, you ask yourself the question, what qualifies this person to give me this piece of advice? Is somebody giving you advice for how you should live as a Christian or walk as a follower of Jesus? Ask yourself the question, what qualifies them to give me this piece of information? Not too long after I became the pastor here, um, I had a man come into my office, and he wanted me to reach out to somebody in the church. And, and he said, this is the godliest man I've ever known. I said, man, that's a strong statement, the godliest man you've ever known. I said, please tell me a, a Bible verse he's ever taught you. Or tell me a, a, a directive that he's ever given. How have you grown more godly because of this man's life? Do you know he sat there? He said, I, I can't think of any. I said, then why are you convinced that this person is the person that should be giving you all of your advice for living. Ask that question first. What qualifies them to give this advice? And number two, what is there to gain from this advice? What do they have to gain? Any of you ever gone to like, get your car worked on? You go in there and you say, hey, I, I'd like you to change the oil. Any of you had this experience? And they call you while they're changing the oil. I say, listen, while we got it here, we really need to replace the belts. We, we, we really need to change the power, power steering fluid. I think we, we probably need to change out all the lights. And um, while we got it, you know, we're looking at it, and it's, it's getting close. We should go ahead and replace the timing chain. You're like, well, I brought it in for the oil change. That was going to be 80 bucks. Well, I think we can do it all for about, for about 1800 bucks. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa hold on. Wait a minute. First of all, you're going to say, all right, you've got some qualifications to make that judgment. You are my mechanic. Okay? But your second question is going to be, what do you have to gain? Well, why, you, you can make 1800 bucks, And then you begin asking those questions. Right? Well, well, before we jump into all that, are all of these things necessary? 
And they say, well, it might not all be necessary. If it were my car, I would do, you know what, Craig, I, I think we can get by with all of it, but this belt's looking really bad, and the rear brakes are not in good shape. If my wife was driving this car, I would do these things. And you go, all right, well, then let's make sure we do these things. Folks, do you ask those questions as it relates to your spiritual life? What do these people have to gain by the advice that they would give me? Consider the false prophecies of our day. Let's just name off some, just for fun. We got right-wing nationalism and left-wing liberalism. Those are two of our favorite false prophecies that are run in circles. By the way, watch. Both of these fall under the category of idolatry because they both believe that the path towards salvation for a society is government. Okay? So whether or not you find yourself on the far left or the far right, here's what's crazy is that somehow or other they became this circle and the two of them are running together and they're both arguing for some form of anarchy. Okay? But both of them hope that government will save us of one form or another. What else do we have? We have we, we've seen this huge like push toward critical race theory that is, is, is just getting blown out of proportion that says that um, you know, we, we've got to make everything about race. We've got the LGBTQ agenda. We've got this idea of salvation by science or social science. That we can somehow or other study ourselves out of the predicaments in which we find ourselves. False prophets urge adherence, though, to their own agenda. Guess what? Every one of the people that cling to these, and there could be a hundred others, just so we're clear. Every one of the people that cling to any one of these will tell you that the only hope for the world is for you to do what they're doing. And we've got to always run back and say, what do you have to gain from this? What is your hope? False prophets urge adherence to their own agenda. Second thing we often see false prophets do is they promise peace right in the middle of your comfort zone. The best false prophets do a really good job of convincing you that you're right and you don't need to change. These are our favorite false prophets. Okay, These are the ones that are most difficult for us to see because they fit right in the middle of our blind spots. Because they tell me everything I want to hear. This is the worst doctor you could ever go to. All right? Um, we had a family member that was, uh, was, was seeing, seeing a doctor. We, we had some concerns. Um, uh, and, and, and the problem was that, that the, the doctor was very unhealthy in all of his lifestyles. We, we knew this because he was a friend. But then the family members were going to this doctor, and, and we were concerned because if this doctor practices all of these unhealthy activities with his life, he has really no leg to stand on to look at your family member and say, you know what, probably a little better, better diet and some exercise would be good for you. So we, we, we checked, how'd your physical go? They said, everything looks perfect. And we're going, there's no way. There's no way that he said that. You know what, couldn't get them to, they were not interested in a new doctor. Why? Because this doctor made me feel pretty good about myself. Everything felt right. Jeremiah warned in Jeremiah 6.14 of false prophets saying this, They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. What would it look like to heal the wound lightly? To treat the surface without being at all concerned about the infection underneath? 
We, we talked about this in a sermon not too long ago, about how hard it is to actually clean a wound, how painful and disgusting that whole process is, but how necessary it is to make sure that those wounds don't grow infected and continue to get worse and worse and worse. If you've ever had somebody that you've loved or if you yourself have ever experienced what goes on with a bed sore, you know that it's necessary for the dead tissue to regularly be cut away. It's gross and it hurts. Guess what? Somebody that's concerned for you might not come in and do that because it hurts you. But the people who love you the most will do the hard things because they want to see you get well. See, if we're being honest, one of the hard things about false prophets is that sometimes we really like them, don't we? Because they make us feel good. They make us feel good about our own situation, even though they don't tell us the truth. They do what the prophets that Jeremiah warned about, that they heal the wound lightly, saying, peace, peace. But the problem is, there is no peace. False prophets will often help you feel good in your sin. I'm going to let you sit with that one for a minute, because I don't think we really have to explain it. But false prophets will help us to feel really good. They will pronounce peace to you right where you are comfortable. But what is often good, right, and holy is uncomfortable. My children and other people in my life get tired of hearing me say, it's good to be uncomfortable. I get tired when they speak my words back to me, just for the record. Why is it good to be uncomfortable? Because it's in the places of discomfort where we grow the most. My wife, like, she, she did me dirty the other day. She said, hey, honey, I found this workout I think you should do. And I said, all right, babe, whatever you think. You know what's best, and you love me the most, so I'll do whatever you say. And I almost died. As a matter of fact, I may have died three times in the middle of it. I'm not entirely sure. Y'all, it was t- terrible. Everything about it was awful. The experience of it was awful. The recovery on the back end of it was awful. Everything, I lost like 47 pounds. I, I'm telling you, it was absolutely terrible. It hurt. Everything hurt for days afterward when I finished. But I'm pretty convinced that even though it nearly killed me, that like I'm a little bit better as a result. Maybe, maybe I staved off death for like one more day because I did that. I don't know. But, you know, it's, 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 it's in the midst of our discomfort that we experience the most growth. Some of our kids are going off to college, and it's in the midst of, I was talking to one of our dads this morning, hey, I don't like it, but I know this is what needs to happen, because why? Because I know that they need to grow. I know they got to learn to do life. Parents, that's hard, isn't it? When our kids get uncomfortable, man, we want to swoop in, and we want to save the day. But y'all, it's in the middle of their discomfort that they're growing. Jeremiah says that these prophets say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord. You ready? Who despise the word of the Lord, it'll be okay with you. And everyone who stubbornly follows after his own heart, they say, no disaster is going to come. Everything's going to be fine. You know what? It's, It's pretty difficult to adhere to this word. So don't worry so much about that. You know what? There's a lot of paths to heaven. There's a lot of ways that you could get to the Lord. So, so you don't need to worry so much about this. Yeah, there's some good stuff in it, but don't let it ruin you. Just take the good and throw out the bad. And that's comfortable, isn't it? But it's ungodly. It's false prophecy. But we often desire this because it makes us feel good. Are you one of these folks? I'm going to give you some tests to figure it out. Ask yourself this question. What's off limits for your pastor to say? 
What, what, what would be off limits for your pastor to say? And then ask yourself the question, why? Is it, is it because that sin is so near and dear to your heart? Is it because that truth is so, or that, that hope you cling to so strongly that you don't want it to be challenged? Here's a number for you that should break your heart. A majority of evangelicals in the United States recently polled said that their citizenship as an American was more important to them than their relationship with Jesus. And before you think I'm just inflating the number, those who chose their relationship with Jesus was something like 20% as being most important. Oh, we've tied it all up together. We've begun to believe that Christianity is comfortable. Pastors in Afghanistan are dying today because of their faith. But heaven forbid my pastor make me uncomfortable. Heaven forbid God's word make me uncomfortable. Just speak to my itching ears. What did Paul warn Timothy? The times are coming when what people will long for their itching ears to be scratched. They won't endure sound doctrine. Heaven forbid we find ourselves in a place where we crave false prophets rather than the truths of God's Word. So I ask you this morning, do you want the truth? Why would there be things that are off limits for your pastor to say? Is it because you don't want the truth? Is it because you'd rather be made comfortable than be told the truth? Now, let me just clarify before anybody comes at me. I'm not suggesting that I can stand up here and say things that aren't in line with God's Word. Okay? Right? False prophets promise peace in the middle of your comfort zone. Finally, this morning, false prophets lead their followers to destruction. Don't miss this. False prophets are not victimless. False prophets are not victimless. Folks, we're... Let me, let me just take a side note, because if, if it, it, I have been challenged a little bit on this. If it seems at times like I set my sights in my preaching more on the, the, the besetting sins of those within our congregation than I do on the sins outside in the world around us, that is true, okay? And there's a reason for that. And I, I, I want to just speak to that for just a minute. The reason for that is because those people outside aren't listening to the things that I have to say. See, it makes us all feel good if I step up here and I focus all, all, most of my attention on the sins that exist outside the church. None of y'all going to get mad if I step up here and I start talking about, you know, the agenda in Portland, Oregon. And I'll get lots of amens and Kevin can cut my clip out this week and put it online and we'll get lots of likes for that. But if I warn you about the dangers of... of, of too closely clinging to our, 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 our right-wing ideologies, then people go, well, why are you getting into politics? Nobody cares if I get into politics if it's not your politics, you understand? But watch, nobody from Portland is calling up to, 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 to listen, okay? If you don't like what Joe Biden's doing, that's fine, but guess what? He ain't going to call and say, Craig, I've been watching your sermons this week. 
And I've been thinking, Craig, based on what you said, I should change a lot of what I'm doing. Craig, why don't, you, why don't you talk a lot more about the LGBTQ agenda? Folks, y'all know where I am on that. Those things matter and it's important. But again, those folks leading that movement, they, they're not calling going, Craig, thank goodness you spoke to that today. We've got to be willing to have the sins that we wrestle with confronted. Back up. We've got to be willing to have the sins that we embrace confronted. Okay? So if it ever seems like there's more focus on the things that would be more closely tied to the people within our church body, you're right. It's not because I don't love you. It's not because I'm a closet liberal. It's because I know who I'm talking to. You understand? I I actually know where your struggles are because they're mine too. All right, that was a side note. You can take that one for free. That didn't cost you anything. But these false prophets are not victimless, right? So let's just say we we think about those who are promoting some of the most dangerous ideologies in our world today, which would be transgender ideology for children. These are not victimless false prophecies. They are endangering children's lives. We see that. That false prophet. What about the, the, those who right now are claiming that COVID isn't real? They're literally leading. And, and, and if y'all go, that's not true, y'all. I watched a clip from a false prophet, and I'll just tell you he's that. He's a preacher. He's famous online. A false prophet who stood up and took two and a half or three minutes in a sermon a few weeks ago to scream and yell about how COVID isn't real. It's a government attempt to do all these other things, and you shouldn't take a vaccine, and you shouldn't wear a mask because it's just their effort to get you. Let me say this. That's not in this book. Okay? And it doesn't fit with the truth of the world around us. We can be in a place where we say people are sick and the government's messed up and all these things are true at the same time. But we don't jump into the politics. We're not those people. We're Jesus' people. What about the political ideologies that we've already mentioned? They're leading the, the, right, the, the, the far right and the far left. What is it leading to? They're not victimless. They're creating situations in our government where our government can't even function because rather than step up and say, how can we all work together to make something happen, they're too busy looking to score political points. For goodness sakes, we've gotten to a place where we're trying to score political points over the Rose Garden. It makes no sense. And when the people of God don't stand up and say, we demand more and we're going to be more. We're in a mess. These political ideologies, what have they led to? They're leading to rioting in our streets and strife in our government. And when is the last time that as a person of God, you went to find somebody with a different opinion than you and shook their hand and said, I love you because Jesus died for you and for me. When's the last time that we said, you know what? God put me on this earth not to pick fights with those people who disagree with me. God put me on this earth for this purpose, to love him, to love others, and to seek to change the world. And I love him more than I love my politics, and I love you more than I love my anger. And I'm going to try and change this world one relationship at a time. False prophets lead their followers to their destruction. That's what he warned about. Jeremiah says the anger of the Lord will not be turned back. He says, guess what? They're telling you everything's okay, but, but those aren't God's words. 
What about this one? The false ideology, the false prophecy of salvation by science. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but why do you think so many of our young people are experiencing an existential crisis over COVID? Part of it is because we have bought the lie that science is the salvation for the world. And when, when we didn't have the immediate answer for this problem... Man, it messed everybody up. Of course, the greatest threat are those who deny Christ. They deny His saving power and lead people to eternal destruction. Because they've bought the lie. That our inclusivity and our niceness trumps the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. Folks, can I tell you that when it comes to the proclamation of the message of Christ, that is as offensive as it gets all by itself. When we as followers of Jesus try to find other reasons to be offensive, we dull the message of the gospel. The gospel is offensive because the gospel says if you don't know Jesus, you are going to hell. That is offensive enough, folks. For goodness sakes, we don't need to be more offensive. We've got to find ways to proclaim the truths of God's word with the love of Christ, with compassion and care. See, that's what's so scary about false prophecy. Sometimes, let me back up, most of the time they don't walk in and put on a jacket and a tie and then throw on this special sign like a sandwich board that says false prophet. That'd be pretty cool if they'd do that for us, wouldn't it? There he is, I found him. I have a, I should have got a picture of it. I, I have a, a stamp in my office. Um, that, that, it's a book stamp and very few books in my office have, have earned this privilege, this title uh, but it's bright red. Angela got it for me for Christmas a few years ago. And it says, heretical garbage for research purposes only. There's a reason for that. It's because one day I'll die or get hit by a bus or I'll just, you know, lose my mind. And I'll have these thousands of books in my office. And what I don't want is for, you know, whether it's my children or your children or, or somebody else to walk into my office and go, well, if the pastor has these, these, these things must be really good. It's a good truth. Because look, there's some of them, man, they're so sweet and nice and kind. You know, I mean, I mean when, you know, when, when I read a book that says hell isn't real, it just, why? Because love wins and, and God loves everybody and it's so sweet and nice and kind. I need to make sure that when somebody opens that book, they at least see me saying to them in big red letters, this is dangerous. But false prophets don't usually pronounce their danger that way. See, the danger usually comes in a perversion. So, for instance, they may speak lots of love with absolutely zero truth. Or just a little bit of truth. So you might see, for instance, somebody that claims that, that hell doesn't exist. Not because they found lots of evidence for that in God's word, but because they read that God is love. And if God is love, then hell can't be real. But that's not what God's word says. God's word says God is love and God is just. 
And that as a loving God, he wants that none should perish. And that he is patient wanting that none should perish. And he has provided a way in Christ for salvation for all who will call upon the name of the Lord. That is his love. But his justice says that all who reject Christ are condemned. So one of the perversions is that we elevate love and we decrease truth. But do you know, and I'll just be honest, most of y'all in this room, most of my people that are watching, not my people, most of our people who are watching at home, I sound like one of those, um, what do you call it, a, a um, cult leader, yeah, a cult leader. Uh, we don't do a cult here, I'm not one of those. But most of you who would fall under the, 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 the line of evangelical that would live under sort of the umbrella of who we are here at Malvern Hill, you don't really fall into that category where you're like, well, this, this word isn't true. But a lot of you could find yourself falling into the category where you say, it's true, so shut up and listen. And can I tell you, there's a whole lot of false prophets who have so elevated truth that they've lost love and grace. They've elevated God's justice without His grace. That's why we come back so often to that story of the woman at the well. Of Jesus meeting a woman living in her sin. And rather than saying, be gone from me, you evil, sinful woman. Jesus' response was what? Yes, you're in sin. Yes, there's hope. Yes, I will save you. Yes, you ready? I will be your friend. Has it ever occurred to you that Jesus was willing to be known as that woman's friend? False prophets lead their followers to destruction. Sometimes they lead their followers to destruction because they elevate love or acceptance or niceness. Niceness isn't in the Bible, by the way. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Sometimes kindness and love is not nice, at least in a popular definition. Because nice says, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Love and kindness says, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I've got to tell you the truth because I've got to help you. There's a difference there, right? Okay, so... There, it can come that way. It can also come from the perversion of the elevation of, of justice and judgment and truth and, and the degradation of love. But if I have not love, Paul says, I'm just a clanging gong or a banging cymbal. So where do we finish today? Y'all aren't smiling very much, and I assume it's because I've not exactly preached a very sweet, kind, jovial message to you. I ask you this question. Do you want the truth? Do you want the truth? See, the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is that many people in Jeremiah's day didn't want the truth. They didn't. See, false prophets, they urge adherence to their own agenda. False prophets promise peace and comfort. False prophets, ultimately, lead their followers to destruction. But the reality is a lot of people hear all this, but they do this. Because they're, they're content to listen to their false prophets as long as everything is comfortable. As long as everything is easy. A dear friend of mine called me Thursday. He said, I'm going to go get my vaccine. I said, man, I thought you were like 100% opposed to this. 
You, you, you called me to tell me how the government was lying to us and everything was wrong. You had the data. You told me that. I said, man, what, what changed? He said, a 36-year-old in my neighborhood died. I said, well, did the truth change? He said, I, I talked to my doctor. Do you want the truth? Now, this ain't all about COVID. I know I've used a lot of those illustrations. That's just the story of our day, but do we want it? Do we want the truth about sexuality from God's Word? Do we want it? Do we want to hear about it? Do we want to hear about the sanctity of marriage? Do we want to hear it? Do we want to hear God's Word when it tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves? Do we want to read the Great Commission and to understand that we have a commanded responsibility to obey it? Do we want it? Do we want to hear those calls to holiness? Do we want to hear Paul tell us to redeem the time? Or are we comfortable to waste every spare minute we have? Do you want the truth? Many of Jeremiah's people didn't want the truth. But unfortunately, many people in our day don't want the truth either. Do you want the truth? Are you willing to hear it? Are you willing to be changed by it? Last illustration. You ever, you ever known that person that didn't want to go to the doctor because they didn't want to hear what the doctor had to say? Okay, let me back up. Have you ever been that person? I have, okay? So I'm not judging all y'all. I've been there. I don't want to go because I know what they're going to tell me and I don't want to hear it. I've been that guy. But you know what's, what's even worse? Statistics tell us that even when you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you, something like 93% of us won't change anything about us. The doctor says, you got a heart disease, you need to do this. 93% of us do nothing. You might do something for a week or a month or maybe even a year, but for the most part, 93% of us don't change anything. Because the question I've been asking over and over and over again is, do you want the truth? But that's only half of it, isn't it? If you can finally convince yourself that you're willing to hear the truth, are you actually willing to follow the truth, to obey the truth? To live a changed life because of the truths that God gives to you. So there's a danger in hearing the truth. Once I've heard it, I'm responsible for those truths. So I ask you this morning. Do you want to hear it? Jeremiah preached to a people who didn't want to hear it. And who even once they heard it refused to follow it and so Jeremiah prophesied over and over and over again of their destruction the false prophets continued to tell them what they wanted to hear no doubt that Jeremiah's day was much like our day they didn't have the internet but apparently just like I can go to the internet I can find somebody that tells me what I want to hear about any subject on God's green earth apparently they could run to to a false prophet and have them tell them whatever they want to hear. Jeremiah is saying God's judgment is coming. They go, I don't want to hear that guy. I'm going to go across the street and listen to this guy. And this guy says everything's going to be just fine. Everything's going to be just fine. 
10 or 11 years ago, Brian Garbate and I were in London. We were a place called Hyde Park. Some of you have been there probably. And um, I got pulled into a, a debate. I've talked about that before uh, with, uh, with, a, with a, a Muslim guy there, a Muslim scholar there. And, um, but it, it was such an interesting place. If you ever go to London, go to, go to Hyde Park and go to Speaker's Corner on Sunday afternoons. You just stand around and watch. Because here's what you see. You see one guy say this, and you can walk, you can walk 20 feet down, and, and somebody will say the exact opposite. And if you don't like what he says, you can walk on down the road and find somebody. And then if you keep working, you can probably find somebody that will say exactly what you want to hear. I think what breaks my heart the most is that some of you hear it. You've heard it. You show up every Sunday morning, you listen to it. But then you either go home and you ignore it or you run home and you find somebody that will just disagree with all of it. How long will you sway between two opinions? Either he is God and Lord of the world and he deserves all of your glory, praise, and honor, or he is not. Either you will be a disciple and a follower of Jesus and you will give him your life. Or you should just be honest and say, I'm a disciple and a follower of my heart. And I'll do whatever feels good to me. Joshua looked to the children of Israel and said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. Where will you be today? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us. I thank you that he is the truth. Father God, I pray that you give us courage this morning to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand and as we sing, I want to invite you. This altar is open. I'll be down here to pray with you if you're interested in that. However it is the Lord's at work in your life, I pray that you would be obedient to his call.